Hello, and welcome to the ABC Podcast. My name is Skylar, and I am your wonderful host for this episode. And in this episode, we will be finding out some interesting topics about the letter B. And one of them is the Bloody Mary. The drink of Bloody Mary seems to be iconic among all of the drinks and cocktails to drink on a night on the town. But where exactly did this iconic drink come from? The beginning of this story begins around the 1920s where people escaping the Russian Revolution began to arrive in Paris and bringing vodka and caviar. So in the new spirit of freedom, Ferdinand Perrot, aka Pete, He became experimenting with a lot of items to find some new ideas as a bartender for Harry McAlone of the bar Harry's that opened on Thanksgiving Day in 1911. This was during the prohibition of the United States due to the 18th Amendment, aka the 18th Amendment basically stopped people from drinking because it was illegal. So with the new drink invention, But the American, it was called the Tomato Juice Cocktail. In over a year's time, Perrot made a vodka drink after a vodka drink when he mixed with the tomato juice, some seasonings, and poof, a new cocktail was born. This was called Bucket of Blood, christened by the visiting American entertainer Roy Barton after a West Side Chicago nightclub of the same name. The drink was popularized by Americans. So in 1933, Vincent Astor brought Omer Perrot to the King Cole Bar in New York, which was called Red Snapper, which was a big seller. And even in modern day, they sell 850 a month. And also, the 21st Amendment was ratified in, 19, in 1933, just in time to make this drink iconic. Other bars around town became calling it Bloody Mary, which is a reference of Mary Tudor, aka Henry VIII's oldest daughter, and her reign against Protestants. But In a 1939 campaign for Smirnoff Vodka, entertainer George Jessel claimed to have named the drink after a friend, Mary, who was named Mary. So all of the recipes for Bucket of Blood are referred to the Bloody Mary after 1946. So with Bucket of Blood being mentioned for a while, let's talk Bill Clinton. No. Now the whole scandal with him and the other woman, I swear everyone knows it. I swear. But there was other another thing. Let's talk about the nuclear weapons in the US. So what is the most important thing to the nuclear weapons? So let's answer it. So the most important thing for nuclear weapons in the US, it is called the nuclear codes, AKA the golden codes. These are launch codes for the nuclear weapons provided to the commander-in-chief, aka the president of the United States. It is all in a briefcase called the nuclear football, which does look like a football, by the way. And 
it is always at the president's side just in case he can authorize a nuclear attack even when they are away. Now, Bill Clinton's administration. Weird, right? So, about a, every month, someone goes to the White House. They're from the Department of Defense within the Pentagon that is responsible for all the pieces of the nuclear process and was dispatched to make sure the codes were correct. The set of codes was to be replaced entirely every four months. When the person from the Pentagon came to the White House to look at the codes, the official was told by a presidential aide that President Bill Clinton did have the codes, but he was in a very, very important meeting and was very busy and he was taking them very seriously. Okay, so the official accepts the excuse and left. Oh boy, but it gets better. The next inspection happened the following month and the official from before was actually on vacation. So another official was dispatched to the White House. The new official was met with the same exact excuse from before and that the president has them, he's taking them seriously, he was incredibly busy, blah, 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 blah. blah. The comedy of errors went on without President Clinton's knowledge, I'm sure, until it was time to collect the current set and replace them with a new edition. Then they learned that the aide had no idea where the, where the codes, where the old ones were because they've been missing for months. Wonderful. The president never had them, but he assumed, I'm sure, that the aide had them like he was supposed to. This caused the change. This caused the change of how the process works. And that the officials actually need to physically see the codes. And if the president is busy, they will absolutely positively wait there to see these codes. Oh boy. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that Bill Clinton actually lost the nuclear codes at some point during his presidency? And also, the Bloody Mary was named Bucket of Blood. Well, that's a weird history if I'd ever heard one. And regardless, it is still history. So stay tuned for next week's episode on the letter C and what will be in store. I so hope it is nothing about nuclear codes and honestly buckets of blood. Like seriously. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening to ABC History.